looking at the fruits of the Spirit. Now, if you've never heard a verse in the Bible that talked about Holy Spirit or fruits, you might be thinking, what the heck is she talking about, right? But what we see here, and we read through the entire passage a few weeks ago, and so you'd have to go back to the beginning of June, and you could look on our YouTube page or on our podcasts or on the Facebook page, and you could rewatch that sermon. And when we read this in context, it was talking about how do we live our life? Do we live our life by the law and by rules? Or, as Christians, are we filled with the Holy Spirit and we live by the Holy Spirit? And he was saying, if God's Spirit is in you, different fruit will come out of your life. Many different places, Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. Right? You know, some trees are pear trees. How do I know it's a pear tree? Because their pears grow on it every year right? I have a cherry tree in front of our house. I have never once seen apples grow on that tree. It's never happened. But I get little cherries. The birds love them. I have to like get out there and pick them almost when they're still like um, not ripe yet and put them in a window because if you wait until they're sweet, they're they're gone. (laughs) Or there's like little holes in them where the birds have been pecking at them. But So how do we know a Christian? Well, you're supposed to know us by our fruits. Now, can you be a Christian and be a mean, awful, horrible person? I mean, technically, the definition of Christian is a Christ follower, but we look at it as, are you saved? Do you believe in Christ? So yes, you can believe in Jesus. It says, all who call upon his name shall be saved. But there are going to be some people that are saved that didn't really follow and do what he wanted us to do, right? They just, they knew of him and they believed. Now, I have to say, if you're here on a Sunday night, right, in Bay City, when there's festivals and activities going on, you probably are following Christ. You want to know, what more can I do in my life, right? And we know the benefits of following him are true, right? They always happen. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What does that mean? If I plant grass seed, daffodils will not pop up. If I plant grass seed, grass will come up. So if I do what is right and I walk by the Spirit, then I'm going to reap back blessings from God and the Spirit in my life. So this is one of those places where he says, look, we know what things, if you're led by your flesh, that looks like. But if you are led by the Spirit, right, and you want those blessings to fall back on you, this is the fruit that will come out of you. And we see it here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Mm. The fact that he has to warn us not to do that means that Christians of that day were struggling with that. I think all of us struggle with that. How do we get conceited? Well, I think I know what's right and you don't. So I'm going to tell you, right? <laughs> How do I envy you? Well, you got to do this. You prayed, God answered that prayer, and I prayed, and I didn't get Now I'm envious. I wish I had that type of relationship you have with God. I've had people say that before. Have you ever heard that before? I wish, I wish. Right? You're envying what somebody else has rather than doing what you need to do to get to that place, right? 
uh, provoking each other. So instead of doing those things, he wants us to bear this fruit of the spirit in us. I don't know, Eric, if the monitors are on, but I don't need those on. They probably needed them from worship, but thank you so much. So if we then, right, want these fruit in us, we've learned, if we go back to the beginning with when we had joy, it was an inner happiness not dependent on our outward circumstance. It was something we had to do, just like kindness is doing thoughtful things for others. And we looked at goodness, which was um, showing generosity to others. Each of these things is something we have to do. It's a choice we make. We choose joy when we're having a crappy day, right? Why? Because it's not dependent on what's going on around me. It's dependent on what decision I make inside of me. Why am I kind to something, somebody? Oh, I've got to think up something to do for them, right? And so here we are. Today's fruit of the Spirit we're going to talk about is faithfulness. Now, if you're like me, a typical American, I'm not saying my mind is always in the gutter, but I've been raised in a very secular world, and I hear faithfulness, and I think that means that I'm not going to sleep around on my husband, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful in marriage. That's what I think of the word faithfulness. When you're talking about Christian settings, right? Well, you need to be faithful. Oh, okay, I won't sleep around. But see, that's not actually the word, not sleeping around. That word is the word chase. I actually had uh, Ashley helping me with, how do, you, what do you, how do you spell it? I know how to say it, but I don't know how to spell it. And it comes from the word chastity. So chase doesn't mean I don't have sex at all. It can mean that. You know, you can have a nun say I'm chase, meaning she doesn't have sex at all. But in a marriage setting, it just means I don't have extramarital affairs. So if they wanted us to be chase, if one of the fruits of the Spirit was chastity, is chase, it would have said chase. But it didn't. It's a Greek word. And the word faithfulness in the Greek definition doesn't mean chastity. It doesn't mean being chase. Even though we use that word, be faithful in marriage, it's our English definition of it, that's not what the fruit of the Spirit means here. What it means is trustworthiness and reliability. So when you hear the word faithfulness in the New Testament, at least in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, what they're saying is that the fruit that's going to come out of you, the choice you're going to make is to be trustworthy and to be reliable. Eek. You don't want me talking about being reliable, do we? I mean, there's, you know, oh, I'll be there, Pastor Mary, right? If, if, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, something came up. Well, that's fine. Things come up, right? But I'm just saying, like, that, so I'm like, well, what are some of these definitions mean? What does it mean to say trustworthiness? It means the ability to be relied upon as honest or truthful. What about reliability? Performing consistently well. See, that's the big thing, you know, like somebody can do something amazing, but if they're not reliable and you don't know if they're going to be there or not, I mean, it doesn't matter if you are amazing at what you do. If you only show up one out of 10 times, that's 10%. (laughs) I mean, maybe that one time you come, it's amazing, but the other nine times that we had nothing, right? So, faithfulness. So here I am, I'm being faithful, and this is a fruit. And so just like kindness, 
had to be something I chose to do even if I didn't feel like it. Faithfulness in my character is who I am as a person. It's something I have to choose to do even when I don't feel like it. Now, you know, with trustworthiness, the ability to be relied upon as honest or truthful, sometimes to be trustworthiness, you have to be honest. That's what it says. It says that you can be relied upon as honest or truthful. Well, maybe you did change your mind. I remember being in my 20s and realizing it's okay if I change my mind. It's okay if I committed to something and I realized, oh, I can't do that. I used to just do it anyway and be, you know, do it 10%, right? And I realized this isn't a good character trait in me. I'm not being faithful to this just because I'm doing it because I said I would. I've changed my mind. I've realized I can't do it. So I remember having to, like, have a hard conversation with somebody one time after I made a commitment and say, you know what? I've changed my mind. I can't be here for whatever it was every week, I've got to let you know that I'm not going to be, you can't rely upon me. I had to be honest. So I was still being faithful because I was being honest enough to say, don't count on me to be here. You know, when I'm here, I'll be able to help out, but don't count on me. And so sometimes when your performance isn't consistently well, you're not really being reliable, right? Now I can sit here and tell you, Terry is reliable, Terry's like looking at me like, why are you talking about me? But months ago, he had heard that we had the women's Bible study from 11 to noon and that I was sitting out watching the lobby. And so he said, well, I'll come and sit and watch the lobby. He was reliable. Every Wednesday at quarter to 11, he was there ready to sit in that lobby. And then when he found out, oh, we needed help with this, we needed help with this, he keeps coming. He comes every Wednesday. I know I can count on him. Why? Because he performed consistently. He was consistently well. Now, he's been honest. There's been times where, oh, I'm going to be late next week or all oh, this, you know, this, that. But he's so reliable and he's honest about it that in this case, he is faithful. This is faithfulness. So a fruit that comes out of him is one of the fruits of the Spirit that shows me God is in him. Because what comes out of his life is faithfulness. So, you know, so faithfulness does not mean chastity. It does not mean I'm being chaste, right? It, but it also means I'm going to be consistent. And that means doing what is right even when we don't feel like it. I love that. I love, I love that because so many times we let feelings dictate what we're going to do. Oh, I know I said I'd come to your open house, but I'm not feeling it. I'm just going to stay home in my pajamas, right? And maybe that person was counting on you. You're not being faithful, especially if you don't text them and say, hey, something came up and I can't come now. Are you being truthful? I mean, how many times do people, we tell white lies to get out of things? What is that? That's just Satan tempting us to do something that, you know, isn't right. We think, oh, it's no big deal. I remember one time I uh, took the kids to this little pool, and next to this pool was this little snack shack. And I went up to the counter, and I ordered, you know, some macaroni and cheese for the kids and some soda pops and a bag of chips. And um, I remember the girl behind the counter gave me all the food, and when she handed me the receipt, I looked at it, and she had only charged me for two soda pops instead of three. Now, the soda pop was a dollar. I could have sat down and said, oh, that was, I, I got a dollar. I got an extra dollar, right? But I knew in my heart that was stealing. 
that that wasn't being honest, you know. So I went up to the counter with the receipt, and I had a dollar, and I said, oh, honey, you didn't ring this up right. We had three sodas, and she, oh, I didn't give you that soda? Let me get it. And I, no, 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 you gave me three sodas, but you only rang up two sodas. And I remember the young girl behind the counter says, oh, it's no big deal. It's okay, just keep your soda. And I actually knew the owner of this facility. And I said, I said, well, it's a big deal to so-and-so. I said, I'm not going to steal from so-and-so. I said, their price is a dollar for a pop. You gave me the pop. Like, it's not a big deal to you because it doesn't affect your bottom line, but it does affect them. I'm going to give you the dollar. Ring me up for another soda. Well, once she knew I knew the owner, (laughs) guess what? She rang up that soda really quick. Now, I'm sitting here, and you're probably thinking, like, well, Mary, why was that a big deal? It was only a dollar. Well, the Bible is very clear that if we're faithful— faithfulness, right? Performing consistently well with the ability to be relied upon as honest or truthful. If we're faithful in little things, we can be faithful in big things, okay? So let's look here in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So remember, the Greek word for faithfulness is trustworthiness and reliability. So he's saying, if you can't be trustworthy with something little or with worldly possessions, how can I trust you with heavenly ones? If you can't be trusted with somebody else's possessions, how can I give you your own possessions? So... You know, this young girl, she might not have thought anything of the dollar pop. But I knew it wasn't my possession. I knew it was this owner's possession. Even if I didn't know the business owner, I would have done the same thing. And if God, you know, could watch me in those moments with little things, could he have ever trusted me with a position here where all of you give your finances, you got to trust that all of us, you know, in the back when it's counted and put that where it's going to be spent properly, right? Don't you want to know that I'm not going to misspend a dollar if I can help it? Because that's not our money. That's God's money. And it's here to help the community. But what about us, right? Like, what about you? Like, maybe I'd really like to own my own home. But the rental, maybe apartment or home I have, I don't care if I take care of this or take care of that. It's a concept, right? You will, you will reap what you sow. If you can't be trustworthy with somebody else's property, right, but yet you're believing God to give you your own property, you know, we got we to take care of what we do have, but, and then he can give us something even better. So this, this concept of this fruit of the Spirit being in our lives and it coming out in various ways is a choice. We have to choose faithfulness. 
We have to choose to perform consistently well and that we can be relied upon as honest or truthful. And here's the thing, though. If sometimes we're not trustworthy God or faithful, God still is. We see this here in 2 Timothy 2.13. I love this. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. They're talking about God there. So even when we don't have the fruit of the Spirit in us, when you think, well, Mary, if I don't do that, then God's not going to be good to me. No, he'll, he's still faithful. God is still good. See, God is not good because I am good. God is good because he is good. But what I do here on earth affects my life here on earth, right? If I break the laws while in America, I'm going to end up in the American jails, right? Because what my actions here on earth have earthly consequences. And if I am faithful with little, I can be trusted with much, right? I love that passage. It's in Luke 16. Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. See, that fruit, what's inside of us, the choices that we make are going to come out of us. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Think about that. I've had people come up to me and say, well, I really want to be a leader in church. Okay. Well, show me what you're leading that you have so far, right? Like, you know, how are you doing at your job? How are you doing at your home? How are you doing with what you do have, right? If he's saying, if you can't be trusted with worldly possessions, how can I give you heavenly possessions or heavenly things, right? And it starts with us just making a choice tomorrow to do something different to be reliable, to be on time. To, I mean, those are simple little things, to be honest, right? Not to lie. That's huge right there. We've been talking about what is the opposite of some of these fruits of the Spirit, right? Now, we could look at this one, say laziness, not being reliable, right? We, but we also said laziness was kind of when you're not being kind because you're not acting on that. Um, being liar, right? The opposite of trustworthiness could be lying, um, but also prideful. I think that a lot of times we lie because we're prideful, right? We want to look good, so we want to look good at the, uh, the expense of our honesty, right? You know, you go to a Bible study. Maybe you've never done this, but, uh, you know, have people come to Bible study. Oh, did you read that chapter? Oh, yeah, I read that chapter. I always start off all Bible studies with, please don't lie to me. Be honest. Don't tell me, you guys, it's okay if you didn't read the chapter, but I need to know so I can explain it, right? But see, we, 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 at the expense of our integrity, we lie to look good. Why? Because we don't want to admit, well, I was too lazy. I had two weeks. I didn't read a chapter, right? But, and some of the people have taken Bible studies with me are chuckling now. But I'm just being real, That's, right? Or what about at work, right? Oh, did you take care of the back? Oh, yeah, yeah, boss, I did it because you want to leave early. We just lied. You're not trustworthy. I can't tell you how many times you talk to a manager and you say, well, why have you filled that promotion yet? Well, no, not yet. Well, why don't you use Susie over here? I can't count on her. Can't count on her. You know, she lies to me. She tells me she does this and she didn't do it. Or she'll lie and say, I didn't do that, but we checked the the records and she she did it and she lied. You know, you can't be promoted, you can't be trusted with much if you can't do with the little and be faithful, right? 
So why do we lie? Not to look bad, pro, you know, pride. And you can't promote liars. You can't promote those that are inconsistent. Hmm. It's sad. So now, what happens when we change who we are? When we say, you know what, I got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm going to start asking the Lord, convict my heart. Um, show me when I'm not being faithful. Prick my heart. I mean, you, you should ask God to do that sometime. That's it's pretty, uh, you know, because he's a gentleman. I've done that. Lord, Holy Spirit, show me. I had a friend one time that in the summertime, she was helping me with the kids. And um, little did I know, she had, she had had prayer time in a, in, a, in a sermon or something. And she had made a commitment to the Lord that she would not tell a lie. And uh, for whatever reason, it was God. It was totally God. One day as she was getting ready to leave, I said, I was writing her check for that week. And I don't know why I asked her this, but I just did. I said, I said, do I owe you anything other than this week? I mean, I don't know why I asked her that. It was totally God that came out of my mouth. I never asked her that before. She'd been coming all summer. She goes, well, actually, back in June, you forgot to pay me one week. And this was now August. And I said, why didn't you say anything? And she goes, oh, I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to upset you. And I just figured it was a mistake. And, and I said, oh, my gosh. I said, I'm so sorry. So I went to write her another check. I said, and she goes, you know what? She started crying. She goes, I promised God two weeks ago that I wouldn't tell a lie anymore. And the old me would have said, no, you don't owe me anything. She goes, but I actually have an extra bill coming up. And now that I got this extra money, I know it's going to be taken care of. She goes, I'm so glad I told God I wouldn't lie anymore. Isn't that amazing? And like totally, I just didn't even realize she didn't, you know. And it was one of those times where it's like, God is going to reward you for having integrity. You don't know sometimes how it's going to be to your benefit. We're rewarded. Let's look here. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, he's doing this parable, and this is what he says. He says, The master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, I just read to you in Luke, and now I'm reading to you in Matthew. There's so many times where Jesus does these parables where he says, Look, if you can be faithful with the little you have, God will promote you and give you much. I've told you the story about when I was just a teenager and young, and I would always tithe, and I would always, like, make sure I would, you know, be at church, and, and, and I'd volunteer. I would do whatever. And sometimes my mom would give me a hard time about it. Well, don't give them so much money. Don't do this and that. And I'm just like, I'm just doing, you know, the Bible says, right, to be generous, to do all these different things. And God was always so faithful. Now, I'm not saying I never had hard times. I had hard times. I remember when my son Matthew was born and I wasn't able to work and I had gotten a month behind on my mortgage payment. And I remember calling the mortgage company and saying, like, I am behind on our mortgage payment, and I don't know what to do. You've got to help me. And the guy says, oh, okay, yep. Well, we can refinance it, and we can roll those payments into it, and then you'll have two months where you don't have to pay, and then this will be the new rate and all this stuff. I said, okay, good. And he goes, now, when is your eviction date? And I said, my what? 
And he goes, well, didn't you get a letter? Once you get behind, you get a letter, and it tells you when you have to leave. I said, I've only missed one payment. And he goes, oh, we're doing good. He said, most people wait till it's been six months, and they've already got an eviction date, and then i got to scramble and do it quick. He goes, because you did it and you'll have all this time, he was able to even make it a better benefit. And see, in that moment, I learned something. Don't wait till it's a crisis. As soon as you know you've got a problem, you've got to call, you've got to do, you've got to do whatever. And God was faithful in helping us be able to keep our house during that time. And I relied on him. I prayed. I was like, Lord, you got to show me. I mean, sometimes when you ask the Lord to show you things, it doesn't always make sense. I remember one time it's like I wanted to have somebody come and do something at the house, and I kept thinking, well, why should I call now? I don't need it done until the fall. And it was just that Holy Spirit on me, call him now, call him now, call him now. I'm like, God, I don't want it done now. I want to wait and do it in the fall. Was, call now. Call. I called him up, and I said, I don't know why I'm calling you now. I need something done in the fall. And they go, oh, good thing you called us. We're four months out. We'll put your name down now. And it was like, see, God was faithful in making sure that I got done what I needed to get done that fall. And so don't be lazy, right? We know that's the work of the flesh. Don't be a liar, right? Don't let pride come at the expense of your integrity and of your honesty. If we're going to live our life and say, I want the Holy Spirit's in me. He's directing me. I want the fruit of God coming out of me. So when people look at me, they know that is a good man. That is an honest man. That is a reliable man. If he can't do it, he'll tell you. But if he says he's going to be there, you can count on him. That fruit of the Spirit in you, right, will come out. I mean, I look at Eric and Jesse, and they were always faithful, they're here an hour before service. They're the last ones to leave every single Sunday. Now, does that mean they're here every single time? No. Once in a great while, they might be out of town. But guess what they do? They let me know months in advance or weeks in advance or as soon as they know. And then it's like so funny because it's like I, I've known for like three weeks, right, they're not going to be here. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's like 4.30. I'm in a panic. I'm like, oh, no, I got to rush down there to unlock the doors. You know, and then afterwards, I'm like, oh, I got to stay locked up. Now, where did they put this? And where are the trash bags? And you don't realize when you have somebody faithful that's doing it, you're like, I, I don't have to worry about anything. They just take care of it. Don't you want that to be your character, what people say about you? I've been in funerals where that's where they'll, they'll be like, oh, wow, this guy, he was, he was an honest man. You think, well, shouldn't we all be honest? So this affects not only our rewards here on earth, but it affects our rewards in heaven. There's a verse in Revelations that talks about how those that are faithful receive a crown. You receive a special crown. So, I mean, we don't, I don't personally do things here on earth thinking this is my reward in heaven, but the Bible is clear that it will be, right, that God is faithful. So, we not only let this affect our blessings and our rewards in heaven, but it also affects how people see us. I love this. A lot of times in the letters that um, the apostles would write, towards the end of the New Testament, you see a lot of these letters, they would talk about and commend certain people. This one person here was commended. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. And Paul is writing to this church. What's interesting is he hadn't been there yet. Because if you read through the first chapter here, he keeps saying, we've heard of you, we've heard of you, we've heard of you. 
So this church was established, and Paul hasn't had yet had a chance to go there. But he's writing to them because he said, I've heard of this new Christian church, and I want to give you some advice. And here in verse 7, he says, you learned, right, about the gospel from Epaphroditus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Now, you know, if I only had one verse in the whole Bible that somebody was talking about me, I wanted to say I was faithful. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, like this is the only time I remember hearing about this guy or gal. And uh, they're described as being faithful. It says, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason... Because of this testimony from one faithful person that they know is consistent and can be relied upon to be honest and truthful, Paul is now taking the time to write to them and hopefully get to visit them, right? He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding of the spirit that gives it. I love this. I would love to be considered so faithful and so honest and so consistent that my testimony, I just have to say it once, and somebody, it'll like change their whole perspective, change how they handle something. See, the thing is, we can all be that faithful. We can have the fruit of faithfulness coming out of us. We can perform consistently well. We can have the ability to be relied upon as honest or truthful simply a choice. Just like joy is a choice, just like being kind is a choice, just like being good is a choice, faithfulness is a choice we make. It was so funny. After we got done doing joy a few weeks ago, I walked into my living or my dining room and I totally like, duh, I should have taken a picture of it to show you all. Hanging in my dining room, I have a piece of wall art. Somebody just painted it looks like maybe it was a panel from like a cupboard or something. Anyway, it's just, it was one of those crafty things you could get. It was like a panel and it was just stenciled words and it says, choose joy. And that, and I believe that most of us think joy, either, we either have joy or we don't. No, you choose joy. You choose faithfulness. You choose to be somebody that I can rely on or your boss can rely on or your family can rely on or whatever. You choose to text back, right, when somebody texts you. You choose to show up when you say you're going to be there. You choose to show up five minutes early, not late. Now, that choice might mean changing some of our habits or our patterns, right, or letting go of the pride or pushing through, maybe feeling uncomfortable. I'm not saying faithfulness is easy. If faithfulness was easy, it wouldn't be a fruit of the Spirit. If faithfulness was easy, everybody would be faithful and everyone would be honest and we wouldn't even know what the word liar meant. Faithfulness is a choice and it's a hard one. Just like choosing joy is hard when everything around you is crap. Let's just be real. These things are not done by our power. We sometimes have to ask God, help me. Just like my friend had to say, help me not to lie anymore, Lord. I'm making this commitment. I'm not going to tell a lie. And it ended up rewarding her. You have to choose and make a choice 
And one of the things I'm going to be asking Jesse to do when she has a chance, and I haven't had a chance to tell her yet. <laughs> She's going to love it. But you know how, like, each, each week we've had the, the little logos she makes, like the little whatever. I'm going to have her print those on some cards. And on the back of it, it's going to have the Greek definition and a little Bible verse and then a little word for me about it. And then, so starting next week or the week after, however long it takes her, you'll be able to, we'll we'll hand them all out. We'll get you caught up. And then each week when I do another one, you'll get that card. Now, some of you are going to be like, eh, Joy, I got that. Faithfulness, ugh, you're going to put that one next to your toilet, right? You're going to look at that every time you go to the bathroom or you're going to put it on your mirror or whatever, right? Or you might just like say every night before I go to bed, I'm going to read these, the definition of each of these. I'm going to ask myself, was I faithful today? Was I joyful today? Was I kind today? Was I good and generous today? Because sometimes, folks, Satan is working hard at making sure that we're not faithful. Because then he's like, see? See? They think they've got the Holy Spirit in them, but that's not what's ruling them. When I whisper in their ear and tempt them to be a jerk, guess what? I don't know. I've been tempted to be a jerk. Don't tell me you've never been tempted to tell somebody what for. That the thought that came into your head was not the thought, the words that you wanted to say and that you did say. Because I've said some things and I'm like, I've seen the words leave my mouth. Most of the time, the ones that go towards my husband, I want to like reach out and grab them and suck them back in and be like, why did I just say that? Why? Right? Oh, come on. Come on. Some of you are cursing out your dog, right? Some of you are talking about your mother-in-law behind their back or talking about your neighbor or whatever, right? Come on. But we can ask ourselves, have I been faithful today? Have I been honest? Have I been reliable? And then be truthful with yourself if you're not. I think the biggest thing we do is we lie to ourselves. We say, oh, yeah, I'm not prideful. Lots well, pride telling you you're not prideful. Because pride says, Yo, you're perfect. You don't have a problem, right? All right. So... Spirit of the Spirit, faithfulness, trustworthiness, and reliability, performing consistently well with the ability to be relied upon as honest or truthful. Consistency means doing it what is right, even when we don't feel like it. All right, let's pray. Father God, it's sometimes hard to live in this world where we're tempted to not always be reliable or consistent, um, to not always be honest and truthful. It's, It's hard sometimes, but we know that your word says we can live a life of faithfulness. We can be an honest person, a truthful person, and a consistent and reliable person. We can. So we're asking you today to help us. Reveal to us this week if there's any areas in our life we're not being faithful. Help us, Father God, to be a person of integrity, to have a good character, to be be something that people can rely upon, that when we say we'll be there at nine, we're there at nine. Help us to be the person that you've created us to be and that with the Holy Spirit in us, we can be that way. Reveal to us time stealers, distractors, tripping up of Satan, whatever he's done 
whatever he's done, whether it's laziness or the spirit of lying or the spirit of pride that makes us not to be honest and really evaluate ourselves and make the changes we need. Father God, help us. Help us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You know, one time I had this idea to compost, and so I had gotten a baby pool, and I put this composter on it, and I would go put all our scraps in it, and I kind of tucked it on this one side of the house. And I kind of forgot about it after a while, I'll be honest, and stopped doing it after the first month or so. And I was like, But what I didn't know was that it became an eyesore. You see, I always came from the west and pulled into my driveway. And one day, a neighbor over on the east side had invited me over, and I drove over to her house, and as I was driving back, I looked over at my house in the curb appeal, and I was like, oh, that disgusting, nasty thing is on the side of my house. That's what everybody sees when they drive from this direction. Now, I thought I had the nicest house on the block. I'm at pride. thought, ooh, look how my pear tree and my cherry tree bloom in the spring. When really I had this nasty eyesore on the side of my house that I never saw because I never saw it from that vantage point. Now, if you all have a big old booger on the end of your nose and you walk into the family reunion, don't you want somebody to tell you? Oh, you got, you got something right there. Real quick, you know, or, you know, you got like the sister that hands you a tissue and says, wipe your, wipe your nose, honey. Now, you might have the loudmouth brother-in-law that says, oh, you got a big booger on your nose, Barry, and announces it to everybody. We all, you know, that might happen. But at least you wiped it off and you didn't walk around with it all day. Now, you might have a composter on the backside of your house that's looking pretty ugly. You might have a booger on your nose. I don't know. But my prayer is that if there is something that needs to change, as you've been learning about the fruits of the Spirit and what you could be with God's help, that he'll reveal it to you. See, he's not like the loudmouth brother-in-law that points it out and points it out to everybody. He's more like the sweet little sister that gives you a tissue and just goes like this. So pray that you don't need someone to point it out in front of everybody, that you're sensitive enough that if somebody comes up and flicks their nose that you know what they're talking about and you figure it out and you start working on yourself, right? Amen? Amen. Well, today is Communion Sunday. So what a great way for us to come in here. Why don't you guys come on up? Let's, let's pray over this communion. See, he did this for us to remember his sacrifice. We have the power and the blood of Jesus in us. We symbolically take it in. Go ahead and grab that, guys. I'm going to bless it. So when we say, I don't know if I can be faithful, Mary. I don't know if I can always be honest. I don't know if I, you know, pride rules me. Here, let me pray over it real quick. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I consecrate this bread and juice for Holy Communion. Father, may your Holy Spirit fill it in the name of Jesus. And as we take it, may the Holy Spirit fill us. We pray, remember, and trust in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Feel free to pass out the elements. Hold on to it. We'll take it all together, everyone. Thank you. So here we have a physical reminder of 
what Christ did on the cross for us. He shed his blood and his body was torn and ripped for us not only to receive salvation, but for us to have peace and for us to have healing. We see this here in Isaiah 53. love this here. It says, Surely he took upon up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. As I'm going, you go ahead and try to peel off that top part. You get your little wafer out. And then you can kind of peel off this top. So here in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, when he went to the cross, he was pierced for our transgressions. What are our transgressions? Our transgressions are those one-time sins. Oh, we did it. We knew we shouldn't have. We asked God for forgiveness. It says he was crushed for our iniquities. What are those? Those are those ones that are habits, become addictions. Ah, I did it today again. I'll probably do it again tomorrow. It's called an iniquity. Because a lot of times they're passed down from father to son because you've learned it. You were raised that way. My mama was a gossip. I was a gossip. I've struggled with it. So we use crush for those iniquities. So when we take this, we are reminded that he doesn't only forgive us for our one-time sins, but he forgives us for our perpetual ones that we're still struggling with. But it goes on. It says the punishment that brought us peace was on him. We're not only forgiven of our sins. No, we need to be reminded of that when we take this. But we're also given peace. And then it ends by saying, and by his wounds, we are healed. Healed. I love this. We're body, soul, and spirit. And what Jesus did on the cross took care of our spirit connection to him. Oh, I'm guilty. I sinned. I sinned again, again, again. No, no, that's taken care of. You're not only forgiven for those one-time sins, you're forgiven for your iniquities too, those ones you're struggling with. Oh, but in my soul, I don't have any peace. I'm in discord with other people. No, his peace can be upon you. So when you take this, if you need peace, you ask him for that peace. Oh, my body. Oh, my body. It's breaking down. Yeah, you live on earth. (laughs) And saying, if you can't tempt us, think about this America, you know, this pious nation. For the longest time, it was, oh, we're going to do all these great things. Well, then all of a sudden it became, here, let me tempt you with, Twinkies and tempt you with Burger King and tempt you with all this stuff and I can break them down. If I can't break down their spirit and their soul, I'm going to break down their body. It says, by his wounds we are healed. We can claim that healing. And sometimes that healing comes in the form of a lifestyle change. Okay, you got to start doing this different, Mary. You got to exercise. How many times have I told you God's told me to exercise? So then when I get up here and complain after I'm sore, after being out there on the... um, block party all day or VBS, y'all need to look at me and say, don't complain to me. God already told you, you need to exercise. Seriously. Like, that's what you need to say. So no whining. God told you what to do. But don't, if you say that to me, the next time you come to me with your cholesterol results, I'm going to be like, God told you what to do, right? We can be family here. Can you guys tease, right? All right. All right. So we know when we take this, this is for our body. This is for our soul, and this is for our spirit. He did all these things for the whole of us. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. 
saying to them, take and eat. This is my body. Let us take this. Father God, we thank you for the flesh that was torn and that Christ gave us his body to bring us peace. That punishment that was put on his body was to bring us peace. It's to bring us cleansing and healing. We thank you. Verse 27 says, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us take the cup. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving us of our one-time sins and those iniquities that we struggle with. When Satan tries to rub our nose in something and remind us, we're going to remind him that your blood was shed so that we don't have to walk in shame, but that we can walk in healing and peace and in forgiveness. We thank you for washing over us and washing us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all so much. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I hope that as you go through this week, you will see whether or not you have any areas in your life where you want to be more faithful. All right, everybody? Next week, we'll move on to the next one. And the blessing shop is open. If you need anything, please definitely go out there. And don't forget to sign up for the Bible. God bless.